0: Episode 231 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by cloud accounting software solution FreshBooks with a free 30-day trial and access to all of FreshBooks features. To find out more, visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead.
1: A successful person is someone who can support themselves, their business, but most importantly, their dreams. And they really enjoy a personal life.
0: Hi, and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. It's the show dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I'm Jeff Proud, and I believe that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then of course, lifelong learning, or what I like to say is intentional and consistent reading, is a must, the Read Lead podcast. It's going to help you know what books to pay attention to and, by extension, which ones to avoid. And we're going to bring you the key insights and main ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. In just a few minutes, we'll sit down with Chris Ward. She's author of the new book called Win the Hour, Win the Day, Time Management for Small Business. I'm going to ask Chris to share details about why she believes traditional time management sets us up to fail, some of the key differences between successful people and what she calls strugglers, how to avoid shiny object syndrome when considering new tools for your business, and much, much more. When it comes to the tools I use in my business, there are some that are new, but there are also some that I've been using for a long, long time. And one of those is my cloud accounting software. I'm a big fan, as you may know, of FreshBooks. And one of the reasons I love FreshBooks so much is because it's feature-rich. FreshBooks allows me to create things like customizable invoices, I can set up payment reminders for clients or recurring invoices, I can accept credit cards, I can track expenses, I can create estimates and proposals, track time if needed, collaborate with my team on projects. FreshBooks makes reporting super simple, which is great come tax time and much, much more. I encourage you to give FreshBooks a try and get access to all of those features and more that I just mentioned free for 30 days when you sign up for their free trial. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and just enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Try it and if you like it, you're all set. If not, no obligation. FreshBooks.com slash read to lead lead. Chris Ward is the director of the marketing and branding company Shadowblast, and she's also the founder of Win the Hour, Win the Day, which is a platform that helps entrepreneurs grow their businesses and enjoy a personal life, too. By the way, those two don't have to be mutually exclusive, necessarily. Her new book is called Win the Hour, Win the Day, Time Management for Small Business, which includes a four-week productivity plan to go from overwhelmed to highly efficient and reclaim your life. Chris, welcome officially to Read to Lead.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Jeff. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Well, glad to have you. And I noticed that that your book's uh, subtitle calls out small business uh, specifically, but Is it safe to assume that that your tips and techniques translate to just about anybody?
1: Yes, Jeff, definitely. I mean, I wrote the book from the perspective of a business owner. I have a business, but I definitely used it in my personal life for sure. And really, if you want to enjoy your time and have more free time, then really, I would say this book is for you. We have worked with all sorts of people, and most of them have taken these habits into their personal life and, and, you know, really sort of credited us with giving them even more freedom and enjoying what they do and being intentional with their time. And so I really do think it is something that you can use anywhere. And, And it is the first book of a series. So who knows? It might end up being like win the hour, win the day for graduates, for new moms. So absolutely. If you're looking to enjoy the quality of your life with more freedom and get more done in less time, then yeah, I think this book would fit well into your life.
0: I don't know that I've read a book, Chris, that includes uh, the F word more times than your book. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, seriously, though, I'm talking about the, the, the sections that Chris dives into this plan that she's mapped out includes focus, forget, forgive, fight, find, and feel Those are the, to be clear, F words <laughs> that I'm talking about here. Uh, but we, before we go deep, and I'm going to try to cover some of those, we won't necessarily have time to get into all of them. But before we do, I, I think we should probably define a couple of terms that you use throughout the book. How do you define the successful person versus what you call the struggler?
1: That is a great place to start, Jeff, because I think most of us automatically have a different definition in our mind. And for me, how I define it is a successful person is someone who can support themselves, their business, but most importantly, their dreams. And they really enjoy a personal life. Whereas a struggler, they're chained to their desks, they work hard, they work as hard now as they did the first six months their business was open. They rush through the days with a sense of urgency, putting in very long hours with very little balance in their lives. And and frankly, it doesn't seem to lessen. So you really it's not about income. It's really about quality of life and how you're able to provide self-care for yourself during business hours and having freedom and all that stuff. And I know for myself, I was a struggler for a very long time before I realized it, especially when my company started doing well in the infancy years, I'd be so excited. Okay, that's it. I've arrived. I'm, you know, I'm making money now. This is great. But I was so exhausted, and I was always in a rush. And uh, I don't think it made me a charming person to be around. And- <laughs> And I know in hindsight, it made me less productive. And I was at that point in my career marking things like most people do to financial indicators and and, and being proud that I worked so hard. So I was prepared to put in the time. You know, it was just not an issue. I, I didn't know what it was costing me personally or professionally. And uh, I know there's one story in the book that most people remember where of course, everything I was doing was in a rush, so I'm racing in my mind all the meetings I had that day, and I'm just making sure I'm covered. And I'm thinking, I'm doing all these things at once, and of co- I'm brushing my teeth with the tap running, water running out of the tap, and one hand, and the other hand, I have a blow dryer because I have two hands. So, <laughs> why would I not brush my teeth and blow dry my hair at the same time? Because you could save. I don't know, two minutes doing that. And if I times that by 30 in a day, look how much time I saved. But I was really frightened when for a quid second, I wasn't sure which hand I went to put underneath the tap. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that's when I like took a step back and thought, oh, this is, this can't be, this cannot be the formula for success, <laughs> 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 getting electrocuted. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, to me, that's, that's my, you know, my rock bottom as a, struggler. And that's how I define it is sort of how you feel navigating through your day. And do you have freedom in your life?
0: Well, chapter one of Chris's book digs into uh, the area of of focus, the first F. Uh, Share, if you would, Chris, your thoughts on why you believe traditional time management sets us up to fail.
1: Well, the first problem with time management is you know, a lot of these systems are, are a new system and they're cataloging your priorities and rearranging and they're doing all these things that most people, myself included, would find very overwhelming. And most people often think that well, you know, I struggle with time management because I'm not very organized, but I, I'm a pretty organized person. And I actually find that that can, on a bad day, be a detriment because what you do is tend to reorganize things. So you're not changing the infrastructure, you're just reorganizing. So I think with traditional time management systems, I think the biggest weakness is if you don't really have a clear view and foundation on the value and what time you really have in your schedule, if you're not using your calendar as your gps for success in your time bank account then you're just going to be putting you know good on top of bad it's the foundation isn't there so it's not going to work so for me what i often say is People, we've all been trained to worry about money and you know that's at some point in anyone's life, they've had a fear or lack of money. But really what we need to be mindful of is time because even if you're gonna live a thousand years, you have less time today than you had yesterday. So time is a common denominator. Time is something that regardless of your position in life, you, you can't get more or less, you can't buy it. So you really wanna understand how to use that to the best of your ability. And I think most people don't see their calendar or their day is sort of like a time bank account. Mm. Let's say, for example, a lot of people do tasks every day that they don't count because they think, well, I do this every day in the book, I refer to a a man who owned a jewelry store. And he said, well, I have to close up the till every day. That takes 45 minutes, but I do it every day. So I don't put it on my calendar. Well, what happens is you do that times two or three things that you know you do every day. And you think you have an eight hour workday, but in fact, you have a four or six hour workday. So that makes a big difference in your results at the end of the day. And that's just like, if you compare it to money, you wouldn't say, well, you know, I don't count my mortgage because it comes out of my bank account every month. So in fact, you know, you, you wouldn't think you have more money than you do because you wouldn't count all these things that come out every month, right? So, oh, I thought I had $1,000, but I only have 300 because of all those repeat bills. So there are repeat bills on your time. And until you understand that, no matter how simple or sophisticated the other time management systems are, you're going to run into problems because you don't, you're not starting with a clear vision of really how much time you have.
0: Yeah, th- this is uh, an area that I have sort of become, uh, I think, my own evangelist. And I was once uh, talking with a friend's wife about the idea of planning every aspect of her life and showing her a view of of my weekly calendar, sort of the ideal week where virtually every waking hour was accounted for. And and her response was, "Well, well, gee, I, I don't want to be that busy." And, and I realized she she didn't get it. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to live those hours. Either way, and so you can choose to be intentional about them or not. And I kind of hit a brick wall in that situation. What would you say to a client who responded the way my friend's, my friend's wife did?
1: Well, you know, to be honest, I think when the student is ready, the teacher will come. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I would have much argument there. But I guess what I would say is when you speak of time management, I mean, I would – Really, frankly, I love to call it time empowerment, mm-hmm. but people aren't may not understand that word and that's fine. So I'd have to do some education there. But most people like your friend would say, it, it sounds like a very laborious task to start filling in all the, like, I don't have enough time as it is. And now you want me to fill in all these things. <laughs> and people will say to me, well, am I supposed to put down at eight o'clock? I have to do laundry, Chris. That's ridiculous. And that's not what we're talking about. But what you should be able to do is your priorities are on your calendar. And so there's a couple variables there. Your priorities on your calendars so that you can see anybody who didn't even know you should be able to look at your calendar and see what, what your priorities are in your life and what your goals are in your business or your business hours, whatever you do for a living. So there's that aspect of it. The other aspect of it is people forget that you're one person. So what you do before five or after five does have an impact on the next day. So for example, if I knew Thursday night that I have a big you know, family birthday party to go to then Friday morning at nine is probably not the best time for me to have a really important meeting with a new client or a podcast interview. You know, so people think, oh, I don't put my personal life down on my calendar, but it does impact the next day. So it's really about optimum efficiency and getting again, enjoying yourself and leveraging your time and enjoying your freedom so that, you know, when your peak performance will be. And by knowing that you're going to allow for more freedom in your schedule.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well said. I, I very much like getting to the end of the week and being able to look at all that I've done. And what I used to do was the end of the week would come, and I would say to myself, "Well, gee, where did all the time go? You know, why didn't yeah. I get done what I wanted to accomplish?" And now I spend that time on paper, just as a, a financial budget will encourage you to do: spend your money and tell it where to go instead of wondering where it went. And I, I try to do that with my time as well, and that's just made a huge huge difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because then you can see where your priorities are and then you can see why you are or not achieving something like everybody has goals. And, as you know, if we're talking from the business perspective, it's not just to stay in business. You started your business because you have a passion or you care about a particular area or, or industry. And so, you know, you always have this next thing you want to get out. And if you can't articulate that in time, measurements of time and say, OK, you know, for example, <laughs> ironically, I mean, I'm pretty disciplined about these things, although discipline's not a good word to use because actually I, I, I think it's not about discipline. I think it's about putting systems in place to support you to be your best self. Mm. But discipline is a word that people often use you know, with me because they think it requires discipline. But like when I was writing the book, writing a book on time management, I knew I had to say, OK, well, when do I want the book to come out? So if I want the book to come out at this date. Another thing I talk about in the book is working backwards. For example, if you say, okay, I'm going to, I have a meeting at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. It's about an hour's drive. It takes me an hour to get ready in the morning. I like to work out in the morning. So all of a sudden you look and you think, okay, I got to get up at seven in order to be for sure at that meeting at 10 a.m. because you you worked backwards you did the math so the same went for me with the book I was like okay I want it to be launched at this date so then you know I have to get it to others I have to, and I kept working backwards and then I was like okay so with the time I have if I do five pages per day that will get it to this person on time to that person on time and it's really easy to say oh my gosh I'm really busy if this came up or that came up but if I didn't do the five pages today then by Thursday I had 15 pages so if I couldn't get five <laughs> pages done today I wasn't going to get 15 done on Thursday and most people don't break down the numbers like that but if you just break it down into small increments of time on your calendar it will just give you a clearer sense of is this doable and and then when you fall off the tracks and this is where most people you know why I talk about in the book the to-do list is a little bit of the enemy because you have this list and you might have eight things on the list. And two might take two hours and two might take five hours. You don't know. And then combine that with the fact that you haven't put anything on your calendar. So you don't realize that you actually only have a five hour workday with all your daily tasks, emails Mm. and things you do. So now you've got like maybe 15 hours of work in this to do list, five hours on your calendar and you just feel discouraged at the end of the day because you're like nothing's done or it's not where I'm not where I thought I'd be at the end of the day. And so to me, that's so sad. To Mm. me, that's so discouraging. And you beat yourself up and I'll work harder tomorrow. I'll work faster. I'll stay later. And to me, that's the formula for not a fun life. And back to the F's you referred. Um, (laughs) So that's really where I think it's just can be so much easier for so many people. And that's why I thought the book was so important. Mm.
0: Well, I know everybody's different and I have tried just about everything under the sun, but I have found that the combination of an analog planner and an online calendar is the best option for me. And I would, wouldn't have it any other way. H- how do you choose to handle ultimately what's what gets done? Is it a combination of things?
1: It's a combination of things. It's really about your priorities and your goals. And that should be, again, very clear in your calendar. So I think we tend to, especially in the business arena, you run in with your head down and just confuse busy with activity or activity mm. with productivity. So it it's really doesn't matter what tool you use. We were measuring time long before we had these digital options. There there are some great reasons why I personally use the Google Calendar. It's just I can access it anywhere. I can invite people to meetings and you know put information in there. And there's just many useful tips there because I certainly know back in the day, where I lost my day timer one time, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, like, there's my life, right? But so it doesn't really matter what you use, as long as you know what you're measuring, and as long as you can be clear. But the priorities really come back to establishing your goals. And what that means is, for example, we were working with a, she, a lady had a hair salon, and she wanted to get this, this product service line out to her clients. And it was rather big adventure. And she really had to focus on it for the next six weeks. So in her, you know, what we had to teach her is, well, you have to change your priorities. So that meant she was on social media a little bit less. And she maybe did the deep cleaning in the salon every second day instead of every day. So it's really about you deciding what your priorities are, but then supporting that. And, you know, you can't have 10 priorities. It undermines the word priority. So you just have to be clear on what's your focus. And again, I think we do this in our personal life. Like, you know, if you have young kids or it's Christmas week or you've got family events to go to, you'd be like, OK, I got to get through this week. It's Christmas. The stores are closed. The 24th is sixth. There's there's no wiggle room there. This has to get done. So sometimes we can do that in our personal life. But we confuse our work life with just saying, oh, I'll just work harder and it just doesn't have to be that hard.
0: Hmm. We had uh, Mike McCallowitz on a couple of weeks ago, a book called Clockwork, Design Your Business to, to Run Itself. And I found your book, Chris, to be a great companion to that book. I think they complement each other really, really well. Uh, what do you mean when you say that our productivity, Chris, depends on on forgetting? I, I thought productivity depended upon getting things done. <laughs> what, what do you mean by forgetting?
1: Well, you have to think about what is it that, you know, what's important to forget. So sort of almost forgetting works or if you struggle with that term, maybe what do you let go? And so mm. for successful people, they forget. They just forget about things that don't support their goal. Mm. So you just got to kind of say, OK, um, you know, I had one client that was explaining to me like it sort of changed their perspective because they're about, they're now looking at their calendar. What are my priorities for today? And something came in where there was an issue. He was an accountant and there was an issue with a client. And what happened was he said, you know, in the old days, I would have dropped everything I was doing to resolve that issue. And it would have put my day into a tailspin, but I, I, I would have been reactive. Mm. And he said, I just had to let it go. I had to forget it for today. And he said, I, I dealt with it later when I had time and there was some flexibility there. And he said, not only did it not derail my day, but he said, I think I served that client better because I was in a different spot and I had time to really focus on, okay, how am I going to do this and be clear-minded instead of being reactive? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's learning that everything that comes across your radar doesn't mean it gets your full attention. You know, it's not about where did you forget your keys or anything like that. It's learning to what do I need to sort of just let go and forget.
0: Mm-hmm. Another F is forgive. And I'd love for you to describe what you mean by that specifically. And also, what about the differences in things that successful people forgive versus strugglers?
1: Well, strugglers tend to forgive interruptions. That's a big one there. And we don't realize how many times in a day that we are interrupted. And especially with all the things that are happening now and the new gadgets and the new beeping on your phone and all these things to serve you, we think it's enhancing our productivity, but it's a distraction. And there's endless studies out there to say that, you know, when you're interrupted in your workflow, that it takes you 22 minutes to get back to where you were in that position of concentration before you were interrupted. Now, I, of course, I don't know if you're like me, I thought, well, they're wrong, and so I thought, okay, if it's twenty-two minutes for somebody else, let's say it's five minutes for me. Well, even if I am mighty and a superior human being, and I am <laughs> completely outside of you know what the full study showed, if you times that five by you know twenty-five times in a day, what are you left with? So you really have to understand that you know, and and what I call friendly interruption—somebody walking up on your team asking you a question, or worse, you. Uh, position of authority think oh I just you know I need someone to show me how to do this or I need them to answer to what they did like is this what you did because I need to understand this and you're their friendly interruption so Mm -hmm. it goes both ways so strugglers tend to forgive interruptions and that's a problem they don't even there's so many things they don't even see as an interruption and successful people I talk about different things that they forgive and I think the biggest one for them is they forgive mastery they're always looking at getting something done and out so that they can get feedback, and then improve it. Whereas often the rest of us are sitting there, i want this to be perfect before I roll it out. And if you look at anything in the history of industry, like Microsoft, Facebook, none of those things were perfect when they rolled them out, they just upgraded or sold you a better version. So forgiving mastery is probably something that would really help your business if you could learn to let that go as well.
0: I found that having the right door hangers to be useful too. I've got one that says uh, writer at work that I sometimes hang on my office doorknob when I close the door. Another one that says recording in progress. Of course, my wife is always quick to point out that the dogs can't read. And so yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: what use is that anyway, when she's the only one I need to be concerned with? <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, yeah, even in, in a traditional office environment, I found uh, you know tricks like that to be super helpful. And And people, when you're intentional about that, I think people respect that and, and know that you're available when it's convenient for you. But right now is not not that time.
1: Absolutely. And in your case, although your wife did have a sound argument, but in your case, it's <laughs> It still probably does something for you. You know, I'd be interested on a subconscious level when you say, okay, I'm putting that sign on the door. I think that's as much for you as for them. Uh, Like, I am in this is where my focus is. And I I think we misunderstand what focus means most of the time. I don't think you can live in this modern world where you were not sitting across from somebody at some point when they said to you, no, no, talk. I can focus on you and text at the same time. (laughs) No, no, you can't. And unfortunately, for those that know me, I just stop talking and I wait till they're done (laughs) (laughs) because they're not paying attention to me anyhow. Right. I I
0: do the same thing. I do. It works. It's very effective, actually. Yeah. But I, I love your point about, you know, the sign on the door being as much for for you as it is for anybody who might interrupt you. I think that's a, a very keen observation. I hadn't really thought about it like that. Uh, we were talking about tools a moment ago and, and I think a lot of us, myself included, can from time to time suffer from you know shiny object syndrome. Uh, what are some rules you encourage people to keep in mind when they're maybe considering bringing in a new tool to their workflow?
1: You know, that's a really great question because especially so much has changed in the last five years and I know I fell prey to this a number of times you know I would just get oh this is it and there'd be some project management thing that's just going to change my life and you know even if it was like just a couple hundred bucks never mind the money it's oh I had to learn their complicated system but once I did once I spent three or four weeks learning this what the output was going to be was going to be unbelievable and really what I tell people is, listen, you should be able to teach anyone from a five-year-old to 80-year-old it in, like, minutes. It should be simple. Mm. It should, in, in my books, it should be free. You're so next to free you can't remember what you paid for it. <laughs> and you should be able to see results immediately. And the funny thing is... These are all the tools that, you know, we teach when we work with people, but these are the tools of the most successful people in the world with the most money in the, in their pockets and the most free time. They're dealing with the same free tools that we use day to day. So nothing's different. So, you know, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me, but I think you just get seduced with the big potential there and the shiny object syndrome. So Everything about the book or, or we, we have the Win the Hour, Win the Day Academy and things like that. Everything that we do is really very simplistic in nature. It's changing your mindset and helping you to cope and to put things in place with ease and to support you. It's not something you have to overcome and grunt through or discipline. It's not complicated. It's not cataloging your priorities. It's not all this stuff. So Tools should really be very simple and you should see immediate results from them.
0: You mentioned the word discipline a moment ago. What do you mean when you say that successful people fight? memory and fight discipline that sounds counterintuitive to say it out loud.
1: <laughs> well, what I mean is it's very tempting when it's your business to run in and and I speak of this frequently in the book where it's like okay, we put this system in place and then all of a sudden I'd be in a rush and I'd say, well, it's my company. I've been here from day one. I you know whatever. This one time because of this, we're not going to follow protocol. Like <laughs> I you know, I gave an example of I I was in a rush and I needed business cards. I was like, okay, we have a process where Everybody double checks the card and, like, no, 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 it's just my business card. And I've got this event on Thursday, just get them printed. Then I'm sitting there at the end of the event. They pull the cards out of a basket and there's somebody squinting their eyes, but I can see from a distance. I'm like, it's my card because of the coloring. And I'm like, what's going on? And so finally they call it my company name, but they said, oh, sorry, your, your name wasn't on the card. And I looked and we, <laughs> we, in the rush, we had forgotten to put my name on it. Mm. So you can't rely on memory. Memory does not run a business. And especially when it's your business or especially when you're busy, you tend to think you can take a shortcut and you have to fight that because it will never serve you. And a bigger example I would give would be say like FedEx, they could be getting an organ from one part of the country to another to save somebody's life. And they're not relying on handing it off to the next person. Now you remember how to do this, right? You remember what you you know, you remember the address, right? So you have to fight the temptation to rely on memory because it's it's not going to work for you. It's not how businesses are built. And it's more stressful. And then you waste fuel and energy trying to be disciplined about it and juggling. The mind is meant, uh, as David Allen says, to create new ideas, not, not to recycle them or to remember mm. them. You know, it's for creation. So you want to really fight the tendency of thinking it's about discipline, because that's a false sense. It's not going to serve you. It's going to weigh you down. And it's not about remembering.
0: Well, I have a, a couple of questions I want to ask you, Chris, not uh, directly related to the book. And, and we've not covered all uh, six uh, of the areas that you talk about in the book. Are there any uh, other places you want to go and make sure we cover before we move on to those other questions?
1: Well, I just think it's really about your calendar. And I think we've, none of us have been taught properly how to do this. Like even when you're in school, wherever you went in school, grade school, post-secondary education, you know, even if you got a very sophisticated degree, what happened was individual teachers gave you heavy assignments and said, here, good luck. You have to have this all done in three months. And they were never coordinated with the other professors saying, okay, now take a step back. Now you've got six classes where you have to get a lot done. So nobody really taught you. You really any effective skills whatsoever when it came to getting freedom in your schedule when your workload is heavy and, you know, for lack of better term, time management. And I also think that sometimes there's this bravado and sense of pride of, you know, how hard you work. We often hear that. Oh, it's a hard worker. And that's great. I'm not talking about being lazy, but I am talking about starting your workday fresh and leaving it fresh and clear headed and calm and enjoying what you do and in enjoying the well-deserved free time, so I think it's a lot simpler than most people realize. I know I was working with uh, a realtor, and they, by nature, have a more demanding—I don't want to say schedule—but they're not in control of it. You know, they have to sell a house in a couple of days. Things happen. There, there's a lot of variables that they don't have control over like other industries do. Mm. And I was working with a client and she of course kept saying like, you don't understand because every business, every person thinks their business, their job is it's different. You don't understand, blah, blah, blah. So we worked with her and not only did she feel she got her life back evenings and weekends and just, she was just so amazed at the level of stress and how it decreased and that she felt refreshed starting the day and she didn't have fear, anxiety in her stomach, but she also was just floored that she said, Chris, I made more money this year than I ever had before and I had more free time and I was calm and I enjoyed it and I wasn't reactive. So it just doesn't have to be that hard. I invite people to read the book, to check out our Win the Hour, Win the Day Academy because more than anything, we we have done this for years offline and we saw the difference it made in people's lives. And I, I just wish for everyone to have more calmness and clarity and fun in their life.
0: Hmm. Uh, think about the books you've read over the last few years, Chris. What would you say are the two or three that stick out or come to mind as having had a big impact on you and maybe share how or why they impacted you as they did?
1: I, I love reading business books. I love business documentaries. And I've read a lot of business books in the last number of years, mostly because of you, because it's now I'm about to list <laughs> three. So I would be listening to your you know, your your guest and that's their book. And then they recommend three. So So I've read a lot of books basically <laughs> because of you. Cause you're like, oh, that was good. Now I'm going to ta- yeah, and put that in my calendar. I got to find time to read three more books this week. So I guess some of the more recent ones that have impacted me. I'm a big fan of Dan Rome. I really love his Show and Tell, Draw to Win, and what he does well there is really simplify any message you want to articulate, and he just simplifies it with little stickman drawings. I really love the simplicity of how to express an ideal or sell using you know stick figures. Mm. Uh, that's one I, I love I know a number of your guests have always mentioned predictably irrational. I love that as well. I think also on a more spiritual side, I really love the Abraham Hicks you know, law of attraction type stuff. And for me, it's not just the woo woo stuff and being positive, which is certainly a better place than being negative. But that sort of supports some of the thinking that I've had over the years of if you just sort of relax and are clear headed. And in the moment, really, most people misunderstand what that means, myself included for a very long time. It just allows you not to work so hard, you're not efforting, you're not grunting through everything so much because you can be calm and not reactive and using your calendar and, and then therefore see what inventory, and what options you have and take some inspired action and stuff like that. So those are three that, you know, I really enjoyed and felt change some of my behaviors.
0: Yeah, I know you do a decent amount of, of public speaking, and I'm a big fan of folks like, like Carmine Gallo and Michael Port and, and Ken Davis, who assert that it's one of the single most important gifts or skills you can have is to be able to just effectively share your ideas publicly. So as a speaker, I would like to ask you, Chris, what are some tips you would offer for delivering a talk that is memorable and and going to impact the audience that you're speaking to?
1: Well, I think for me, the biggest thing I learned years ago was to talk instead of speech and you would stand, you would write this speech and then you'd stand up there and try to remember these important words that you thought linked to the next important idea and if you just get up there and talk about what you know it's received so much better and you'll enjoy yourself more but also I think practicing not talking about practicing a speech but practicing your talk I know I read one book where they're explaining that Steve Jobs they said practice about 40 hours before he would do one of his reveal presentations where he just would stand there so calmly and say, oh, yeah, and one more thing. Mm-hmm. And he made that sound so easy and so relaxed. But in fact, he was, you know, he'd practice that for 40 hours. Mm-hmm. So I do apologize about the background. I think my business neighbors are now mowing their lawn for the last time this year. So timing's everything. So for me, I think it was about talking versus speeching and just being comfortable so that you're not your mind's not racing. Mm. And again, putting it in your calendar. I've got a speaking gig coming up next week. So how many hours does that take for me to be really comfortable and so that when I'm there, I'm not thinking, I'm relaxed and I'm enjoying it.
0: Mm. Love that. Well, the book came out, I think, officially in June. So it's been out for a couple of months now. I'd be curious to know if if you can share what you and your team are working on now or might have coming soon that you're excited to tell us about.
1: Well, the book is part one of a three-part series. So we, in the next 12 months, we hope to be talking to you again about you know, at least the second book. But right now what we're doing is uh, we're working on getting our first launch of the Academy. We had been doing this offline for years, what happened years ago when I was running my business and sort of made you know, my shift when I noticed the mentors around me behaving differently. Then my clients would say to me, well, how did you manage this? How did you manage that? And so then we started to provide this service. Eventually I was sharing it with enough clients they would say, look, like this is getting awkward. Can you just charge us? Can you create a program? So we've done this, mm. Win the Hour, Win the Day, for about six to eight years offline. And now what we're taking is what we've done and succeeded there and putting it in a nice little package academy so that you can go through it at your own pace. But we've got all the questions From all the people that said okay well I got here but I found this frustrating what do I do with this and because you're gonna get somewhere you've never been before and that's gonna create new questions so so really excited about the launch of that so this is a great time to check that out because the pricing is gonna be very economical because it is our our first one online so we really want to get it in as many hands as possible and similar to that then we're gonna have what we call the win the hour Win the day um, time Titans where we meet on a, a live broadcast once a month for people that just want to tweak what they've mastered. And, you know, you get live interaction and we can problem solve. And so one's an info product and one's a live webinar. So those are both things that I think if you can put freedom into your calendar and say, OK, I I work less hours, I have more fun, I'm clear, I'm calm And at the end of the day, you're going to be more productive, get more done less time. And honestly, most times make more money Then it it really just does add a certain quality to your life. So I think people would get a lot out of that.
0: Well, the book, again, is called When the Hour, When the Day, Time Management, for small business, her name is Chris Ward. With a special guest appearance by the Lawnmower. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Chris, uh, for giving of your time. I really appreciate it and enjoyed having you on the Read to Lead podcast. And yes, the invitation is open to come back when that when that next book arrives.
1: Thank you so much. That would be great. I will probably hold you to that.
0: (laughs) Please do. Please do. More on how to connect with Chris. Find out more about the programs she mentioned and the books and other resources Chris mentioned can be found at the show notes page for this episode. That's at com slash 231 for episode 231. For the fourth time in its five-year history, the Read to Lead podcast has been nominated for Best Business Podcast. We'll find out in a little less than a month whether or not uh, we actually win, but we wouldn't have been nominated without your voting and your support. So thank you so very much for that. It is a thrill just to be nominated. If you'd like to share your thoughts or feedback on this episode, you can send me a note to Jeff at ReadToLeadPodcast.com. And finally, consider that free trial from our sponsor, cloud accounting software, FreshBooks, no obligation and access to 100% of FreshBooks features just by going to freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember leaders read and readers lead.